Welcome to Athletes to Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. I'm Rob Finkelstein, founder and CEO of Alumni Direct, and we've set out to create a platform to help people to network and connect through their affinity relationships, whether it be colleges, whether it be uh, business alumni associations, Greek organizations, or athletes. We try to cater to them to help them out, and we've created this show to teach and inspire athletes that there is life after sports. And I'm really excited today to have Savanya Barros on there. I, I, we, it's funny because we went through this before and I ended up doing it with the name. But anyway, welcome to the show. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Rob. You're welcome. I'm Anna. sorry. I'm trying to find me. That's, no that's OK. So uh, she is a former college athlete. She was a, a track runner in both uh, high school and college, a sprinter. And now she uh, goes by the protector of athletes, which is awesome. And we'll talk a lot about that during the show. And she's an attorney. Uh, so um, everything going good? How's the day good today? You doing good? Everything's going good. Today it's been massively productive. So I don't have anything to complain about. That, that is that is great. So the first question is always an easy one. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, growing up playing sports and you know, kind of what you did and, and how it shaped you. Yeah, um, I kind of talked about that a lot with different people in different ways, um, because I I didn't really recognize how sports was shaping me until I was old enough to kind of reflect back about it. But um, when I grew up or as I was growing up, my mom put us in everything. So I played softball, soccer, um, basketball one year. Then I begged my mom. I was like, I'm not playing this <laughs> when I. I ended up making a shot. Like I actually made the shot in the basket and turns out it was the, the wrong team because they Oops. had to the <laughs> I was like, okay, this is not for me, clearly. All right. And it was a super embarrassing moment. So I begged my mom not to play basketball anymore. Um, passed that torch off to my little sister who that that was her sport. Um, what else have I played? Um, I remember wanting to play tennis, but where I grew up, there was literally no tennis teams. My mom and I would go down to the park and we would play tennis and racquetball a lot. Like I was so good, um, but I didn't have a team to play that on. Um, and track, I was able to do that a little bit as a younger kid, but especially once I got to high school, that was definitely my sport. Um, even when I played uh, softball, like you could see the the quickness, you know, in, in how fast I would get to bases. Um, so I knew I was like, okay, I, I love running. I absolutely love running, but so that's kind of what I've done as a child growing up. One of the experiences I had, um, playing soccer, this was, what do you call it? When you, when you're little, little kids playing pop Warner, pop yeah. Warner soccer. And, in my town, I was the only female on the team and I was the only black body. So the only African-American on the team and the only girl. I was fast. When I think back on it, I'm like, you know, those kids can't even keep up with me. <laughs> but, but there was such a lack of representation that I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And I realized later in life that much of my world would look the way my soccer team did. Yeah. You know? Um, and so fast forward growing up and going through different levels of education, there have been many times that I've been the only African American person in the classroom and sometimes even the only or one or two females in, you know, in a room 
Um, but it's just, it's taught me valuable lessons of being able to show up confidently and powerfully is who you are, right? Not allowing the, I guess, the uncomfortableness or the lack of representation um, put you in a position where you feel like you don't have a voice, right? Um, not allowing it to be so intimidated where intimidating where you can't get what you need. Because had I stayed on that team as a child, I don't know what else I probably could have taken along my journey with me. Right. Um, but that that was one of the more pivotal pivotal moments of my childhood in sports that I recall um having. Um, but I also love the fact that through sport, I met amazing coaches, coaches who have had a lot to do with who I am. I do feel like they are an extension yeah. of our village, of our family. Um, and those who made, who gave me a safe space yeah. to not just be myself, but to really, you know, ask some questions or start a dialogue about something and not feel like I was going to be in trouble for it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I did a lot of coaching myself um, in youth sports. I mean, I started with my son with, you know, soccer and basketball, but ultimately baseball was our sport, but it always resonated with me. I'll never forget. There was one coach. Um, I get, he was one of the older coaches. So almost kind of like a mentor, I guess, because I was you know young, young one starting out. And he talked about how years later going to the weddings of some of these kids and all that, and just that they remembered. And like, even now I'll talk to my son and he's, he's 27 and we'll talk about playing and a lot of the memories that they have weren't actually of the games. It was everything that they did afterwards, you know, the going to the different events and the tournaments and going out afterwards to eat, eat dinner and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, it, it coaching definitely. Uh, yeah. There were some coaches that impacted me as well. So um, did you uh, have any kind of dreams of being a, a professional athlete when you were growing up? I did. Marion Jones was my idol until uh, let's not even talk about it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> she was a, she was a, she was an Olympian, right? She was an Olympian. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I dreamed of running track at the Olympic level. Um, but I also dreamed of being a lawyer. So, and I, if my memory serves me correctly, being a lawyer was the first thing that I've ever uttered to my mom that I wanted to be. So that dream was never going away. Everything seemed to always be the extra of what I know I can do, what I'm capable of doing, uh, you know, a little bit of what I want to do, right? right? But um, sporting in the physical sense, in the athletic sense for my entire life, at one point, yes, being an Olympic athlete was definitely on that list. Um, but I had, I always had other grandiose ideas, especially of owning my own enterprise, um, you know, different things. So I knew, I mean, if, even if you look at the time span of Olympic athletes, right? Mm. You, you get the opportunity to compete at such a high level right. once every four years what else what else can you do to maximize that time when you get there because at some point just like football players baseball players basketball like you're gonna have to retire but for olympic yeah. athletes i think that retirement is a little bit sooner yes so I agree. yeah and, so and you know really the, the, the thing too is a, and i think it was more like for high school but um runners especially distance runners didn't 
you know, I think people kind of looked at it like, okay, is that really a sport? I mean, it is oh obviously God. like sprinters have a, you know, like a, there's a little more prestige to sprinters. I think than distance. I runners. did not do distance. Jesus. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's changed over time, but anyway, yeah, I, I always, this is the part I always say every show. I'm like, yeah, I, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. Unfortunately, talent wasn't there. And I, this is what I said, yeah. here I am on the show, but um, so now um, fast forwarding to, to college a little bit. And um, did one of the things that, you know, at Alumni Direct, it's, you know, we're talking about alumni having an impact on, um, on like current students. So mm -hmm. at, in your journey at University of South Florida, um, were the athletes, alumni athletes involved at all, like kind of coming back and helping or shaping out the, the current uh, athletes? I don't recall that at all. I do I do recall us having events where like specifically for track and field athletes uh, where other elite athletes would come in and talk to us. I also remember having the opportunity. I still got the tickets over here somewhere, <laughs> had the opportunity to see Maya Angelou speak in person. That was life changing for me. Um, but I don't remember any alumni coming to the school to talk to us now. Very well, they probably could have been, but I don't, I don't remember that at all. And I, and I think it's different in different sports too, but a lot of what I hear is kind of what, like you said, like the, the meets, like even in football or baseball, I mean, like former alumni might come back in, you know, they got a golf tournament or something like that. But I, I, you know, one of the things that, um, that we talk about with athletes is just helping mm -hmm. them to network and connect and, and, uh, you know, having that place where they can go. And I think it's, you know, alumni, not only for athletes, but just in general, could definitely help right. to keep not only the current students, but other alumni athletes and, you know, whether it's helping them get jobs or helping them with their businesses, mentoring, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, when you're, you know, also, I guess the, the other thing we talk about is, um, were there classes uh, or, or did you see anything from the school? And, I, and things change mm -hmm. based on years and all that, but mm -hmm. did you see anything from the school where they helped to prepare athletes for life after sports. I mean, were there classes or, or people that work with the athletes there? I think I'm a different case study than most athletes because, and, and this, I'm saying this to answer your question, because since I all, always had, in my opinion, a clear sense of self, at least during whatever period of time I was in, and I knew what I wanted to do, I knew that the athletic facility provided resources to us and I would make myself available to go and get those resources, right? So if there were office hours, I would make myself available to my, my AD. Um, we had a beautiful, I don't even know what it looked like now, but back then our study room was amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> it would literally be like five of us in there. Um, and it was always the the lesser sports, if you will, you know, track, softball, right. different, you know, um, stuff that people didn't really care about, but we were always in there doing our thing. Um, and another thing about me too, is I was a, po a political science major. So that's a little more difficult than what more mainstream sports um, athletes are doing. They're not necessarily taking on that type of a, a, a degree. Um, especially not back then. People are being encouraged now to stick with sure. what your guts are, you know, stick with what you want. But back then they weren't, I don't think that they were. Right. So to try and succinctly answer that question, 
I honestly don't know if there was right. anything else that was definitively only available for life after sports for student athletes. Yeah. And I, and I, I, and obviously, like you said, based on the tummy, when you went to school, obviously <laughs> when I went to school, it's a lot longer ago. Uh, they didn't necessarily have that, but I think it's, you know, times are changing a little bit and, and people see, I mean, the, you know, we've talked a little bit offline and uh, I know that um, uh, there's a real issue with, um, with athletes transitioning out of sports, you know, whether it be mental health issues or financial literacy and all that. So, you know, one of the things that, that we're talking about doing is, again, like with the platform is just trying to provide various resources so these athletes have that and, and can utilize that. So um, one of the big things, and I know um, this is something that's big with you, and I, I was fortunate enough to uh, be involved in, in watching your NIL combine, uh, name, image, likeness. Tell, tell me a little bit about uh, your thoughts, which I'm sure you have a lot of, but kind of Walk us through the current um, landscape of NIL and, uh, you know, some of the thoughts and things that you think can be done better or, or you know, to that nature. Um, and I'm sorry for the last part of your question. Some things that I could have done better or that, in a no, you know, in, in fact, uh, sorry for asking a two part question. So if you watch some of my other shows, I do that sometimes. I'm not trying to, to trip up the guests. So we'll, we'll just I guess the bottom line is tell me about your thoughts on NIL. Let's we'll call it that way. Yeah, no, I love the fact that college athletes now can monetize their own celebrity. Um, it's something that should have been done a long time ago, and it's not a new concept. So I tell people this all the time, like as business owners, as creatives, um, if you're creating a, a million dollar brand, right, we have name, image and likeness and there are rules on the books, depending on what state you're in, that help you protect your name, image and likeness. There are federal rules already available that help you protect your name, name, image, and likeness. They are called trademark, copyright, and sometimes patent, okay? Um, sometimes contract law. So there are things that are already out there, mechanisms that are have been put in place for individuals just like uh, student athletes who have a celebrity, who has a technically a household name, right? Because when you go on Thursday or Friday and you're watching college ball, People know these kids' names. They know their jersey numbers. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's something that was overdue. And um, I'm happy that they have the ability to do this now because institutions as well as the, the NCAA are all benefiting off the names and talents mm. oh, of sure. these young kids. And there's no reason why they shouldn't have to benefit either, right? Right. We're necessarily or they are necessarily uh, sacrificing a lot just to play for their school, albeit no one asked them to come there and play. Right. Right. But you do sacrifice a lot. And when you are in those sports that traditionally generate the majority of the revenue for your university, a lot is put on your shoulders as a student athlete to perform. Right. right? And that's where they're getting those ticket sales from. So. In my opinion, it's, this is probably why I'm having a hard time going into those schools, but I don't feel like the school is going to lose any money just by the student athlete being yeah. able to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Right. And, and I think you're, you're in a unique position, um, you know, be, being an attorney and, and working with them to kind of help guide them. Because I, I guess, you know, I've talked to some athletes, um, former professional players that, you know, weren't enough, fortunate enough to have the NIL when they were playing. And they like it. But like one guy said, a former NFL guy said, you know, I think it's great. However, his concern is, is that 
um, that some of these athletes, you know, all of a sudden they're making this, let's say, a windfall of money and they don't understand like, hey, you got to pay taxes. And and I can't, and I say this too, it's not just, obviously it's not just athletes. It's, you know, it could be, um, it could be any, any young people that all of a sudden start making money, just not knowing what to do with it. So with your firm, when you're working now with, with some of these athletes, is that part of where you might help? I mean, it's like legal financial type thing. Um, not necessarily financial. Um, I do talk about it from a perspective as, you know, in the way I serve my clients, because it's a necessary component to understand, you know, what you value your brand, whether that's your name or some type of product that you've created to go along with that. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I do know that um, a lot of not just even student athletes, but people in general, business right. athletes included, professional, yeah. retired, whatever, tend to look at the possibility of something and go, you know, dive head first without really thinking about the construct of what can be or what should be or what could be the long-term impact of this thing. Um, and I've I've talked about recently or previously, um, for example, about social media, because that is the most popular way that college athletes are monetizing their name, image, and likeness. But without having the proper support and or education around what you can do, I do believe that they're leaving money on the table. Okay. Because if you're negotiating one deal to to post, you know, something for a brand, and you've never talked about how long um, that post has to be up, and this brand is consistently creating revenue from the one thing that you post, you might be leaving money on the table. Right. Okay. Sure. And they and they have consistent and repeated access to use your NIL to sell whatever this product may be. So just to me, that's simple, you know, right. understanding those those things. But what I'm recognizing is that a lot of people do not recognize that. They're not even recognizing the importance of setting a time frame on their deal. Like, how long do I have to do a particular thing yeah. for this brand? Because if I decide I don't like you or if I want to work for a competing brand that I right. have more connection with, I don't want to be tied into this contract and then open myself up to potential liability. Liability being damages. People get paid for damages through technically money. Okay. Right. Yeah. So... I am seeing that there's a lot of miseducation, uninformed um, decisions, and um, I, I don't know how to put this nicely, but um, people who are just like ignoring the fact that you know you need something and just won't won't go and do it. Won't you won't go get the education? You won't talk to the right. people you need to talk to, and unfortunately the majority of folks that come to my firm anyway are coming to me once something has happened. That's why yeah. I've been trying to get on the front, front end to of really proactively. Yeah. Help people yeah. to recognize these things. What's the, um, how does it work with, um, with agents? Cause like, it, I guess in the past as a college athlete, you couldn't have an agent, right? You, right. Then you're like professional. So with NIL, does that affect it? Like, can I, as a college athlete, have an agent that's, managing the nil or is that an ncaa violation no that's not an ncaa um violation and it depends on your state but most of the states that i've read which is technically all of them that have nil or propose nil 
Um, they're saying that you can have agents and here in Illinois, they recently amended a particular provision around um, agents. Don't quote me. I, be I believe I'm going off memory now. Right. <laughs> but I, I think um, they kind of made that a little more open around agents because your agent can kind of be really anyone that you hire to go and source a deal or manage a deal for you. Sure. Um, but no, it wouldn't be considered a violation of NCAA. Which makes sense because as an entrepreneur, you should have the the forthright to right. retain any representation that you deem fit to either source, manage, or protect your deal. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that makes sense. So um, going on, um, you know, one of the things um, we talk about a lot is like networking, connecting, uh, and I've I've heard different things, and I'll give you like a take of uh, like some of these agents I've talked to that they feel like a lot of athletes, they don't, they don't network and connect when they really should, which is when they're playing. Kind of give me your thoughts on what you've seen. I mean, as a former, you know, as an athlete and yeah. then other athletes you deal with, what are your thoughts on that? That's a very valid point. Um, and I think the biggest issue is that they don't know how to network. I didn't know how to network. Um, and I'm just gonna be honest and say, I don't think I really knew how to network until like 2019. That's like a few years ago. <laughs> oh gosh, I might give myself a little bit of leeway. Okay, I've been doing a little better than that, but yeah, yeah but um, I really do think that it's just a matter of taking the intimidation out of it, right? And taking the stereotype that it has to take so long out of it. I mean, some relationships, yeah, they might take time to cultivate, but I do know that when you meet someone and you just click, like that synergy is there, that yeah. relationship is, it is what it is, right? right? right. It's not going to be any extra effort to check in on somebody, communicate with somebody, go and have, you know, a coffee or whatever. Um, so some relationship, and this is another reason why athletes should be willing to get out there, meet people, and network because there are going to be individuals that their souls just instantly connect with it. They may not have known, wow, I have a lot in common with this person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't, they don't know how. Um, and I also think that for a lot of them, the narrative around their particular sport is pushed more than, you know, building relationships outside of that. But the only, I guess, you know, bad thing about it, the con about that is if you're only pushing the narrative around the sport and the people around your sport you kind of also will attract people who just want to get something out of you yeah no and, and i and yeah. i know especially with athletes it's a you know the, the first sense is that they just want something from you like yeah. other people I, I think one of the things that we've set out to do is is we're uh, have created it's called athlete an athlete community center and the idea is is to have athletes whether they played baseball, where they were track, tennis, golf, right. football, whatever, but a place where college and professional athletes beyond can, you know, go into this community center, work together, network. I mean, it's, right. it's a, I, I think a lot of times I say with networking, connecting, if, if you, if you weren't in an Ivy league school, you weren't in a fraternity or sorority, sometimes athletes are, or you weren't good at it. Most people don't know how to network and connect. And that's, that's something true. that, and, and we really want to, we want to help you know, foster that and teach people, yeah. kind of take them under our arms and say, you know, it's not about, Hey, how can you help me? It's like, how can right. I help you? And, right. and if you develop that, 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 that relationship, relationship it's yeah. gonna work. so yeah. 
Um, once you're, uh, once you uh, kind of got done with um, college and, um, I know we talked a little bit about, uh, for you, fortunately, the, the transition to sport wasn't as difficult because you kind of knew what you wanted to do, but in dealing with other athletes that you deal with or just friends and, um, kind of give advice on how to take that journey from once you're done, that, that there are great things that you could do, whether it's in the business world or anywhere else. Yeah. Well, depending on wherever you are in your journey of transitioning, um, you have to you have to keep top of mind that sense of self is number one. It's it's very important to know who you are. And it's also important to know what you want outside of everybody else. Outside, look, even if you've done something for oh, hold on one second. It's my kid. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Sorry we all, that. We all yeah. have them. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you've done a particular thing for 10 years or more, let me say it like this. There are people who connect their identity to the thing that they do. There are people in this country and in this world, if they lose their job, they will lose their mind. Yeah. Because their job has become who they are. And it's unfortunate because they have never been able to, to create an outward or outward and inner success around who they are as people about what they want. And I think there's so many different things that kind of go into that too. Like, are you trying to please people? Do you think that, you know, society has laid this framework for you so you have to follow it to get to this particular thing and then you never even get there, but you spend all this time doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to know who you are. Even if you spent umpteenth years doing a thing, is that really what life is supposed to be about? Right. right. Know who you are. Yeah, um, it's interesting mm -hmm. to say that too because um, a couple of people I talked to, you know, it's almost like, this sport, kind of like what you're talking about, the sport defined them. So, you know, I was a former, let's say I'm a former major league baseball player. Mm -hmm. I'm a baseball player. Well, no, well, you're the person, you know, it's in, Correct. I guess that, that's that, you know, kind of like what you're talking about there. The mindset is just not, yeah. not to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely, you, you got to check your mindset at every level of where you are and of what you're doing, because you need to also make that you make sure that you are aligned. And I think that would be my second tip. So once um, know thyself to make sure that the next phase of where you're trying to go to is in alignment with who you've determined yourself to be. And I think that just by the sheer measure of nature, right? A lot of things will fall off just by us knowing who we are and whether a particular thing aligns with us. And I think you can find your alignment keys in determining your value system. Like what are the things that I am not going to do because I don't feel like it speaks to me as a person. You can't you can't even get there to define that until you know you. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. So I, I I think that would be it for me that will, you know, really help people to transition. And that's not even just out of college. Like if you have to right. transition from from career to career, if you need to transition from a different state, like I we live in a state we don't have any family here. Yeah. That can be a difficult thing sometimes, Very especially so. now that we have a, a kid, yeah. you know? So there's always going to be a point of transitioning in your life. But if you've centered yourself 
and you've given you've given yourself something to work with and work from it will take the sting out of the transition for you it won't be so intimidating no that that's great advice i mean it's uh you know we've talked about it offline a little bit just there's just so many issues out there now in this whole whether it's mental health issues or financial literacy and yeah i think it's um it's blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, a lot of athletes, it you is. know, even it's all different sports, but they all have something in common that drive that determination. Yeah. Which is, you know, when we talk about athletes, entrepreneurs, yeah. it's the, you know, the big thing, you know, to, to yeah. be able to do that. So um, give me now, we, I always, I call it kind of like the corporate commercial, but talk a little more about some of the things that you're doing, um, you know, whether, whether it's through NIL or just, you know, the other things you're doing with your firm and, um, you know, kind, kind of, tell people how they can find you too. But first off, just kind of walk me through some of the things you're doing. Yeah. Well, since we're dealing with the alumni direct, I will try to keep the brand aligned. Um, <laughs> okay. So you guys can connect with me and follow me through athletes making moves. If you end up needing legal services, um, then there will be a, a way that you can find that um, that brand later. That's with my law firm, S.L. DeBarros Law Firm. But um, so one of the things that I'm doing to educate athletes specifically is through my podcast, What Are You Sporting About, as well um, as the Athletes Making Moves brand. So as you know, we just recently wrapped up the first annual NIL Combine that came on the heels of the book launch the year prior. So we are going to be ramping up for early planning of NIL Combine 2023, and I'm super excited about this. Um, I was just amazed at the feedback from this year, and it was all virtual. Uh, one student athlete immediately found me on IG and messaged me, and she was like, uh, this was so amazing. I've attended yeah. long conferences in person and um, online and I've never received this type of transformation. I mean, the, the testimonial is amazing. So I'm always trying to educate athletes and those who are around them. Cause I, I recognize that we get a lot of our advice from the people who are closest to us. Sure. So it's necessary for them to get the same education that you are as an athlete. Um, but I want to empower them, not just to do a thing because now you can do it, but understand all that comes along with it. When you understand everything, you empower yourself to really set a foundation that could be multi-generational, right? It, it could really be something yeah. amazing. And you can put yourself in the driver's seat to avoid the stereotypes and the outcomes of most professional athletes who have not been able to get this, in a sense, crash course right. before they are introduced um, at the pro level. So, hey, you get in where you fit in, but also make sure that you're you're taking ownership too of what you're supposed to do as an individual. And so that's that's what I do, um, even as a protector of athletes in the same way I talk to my athletes is the same way I talk to my million dollar brand clients. Everybody's getting that mindset conversation because it's some of the same some of the same issues. You can't scale a business to multi six figures and you definitely can't scale a brand to seven figures if you are not going to do the work. I can tell you everything. I can give you all the strategy. Um, I can tell you how to protect it. But if you're not going to do the work, all of it is for not. I'm so, signing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually I, I will validate the 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 um the conference she was talking about was awesome. And it was it was very fast moving. It was great. So 
a uh, lot of great information there. And um, what's this? So protector of athletes, tell me just quickly about that. Where did that come from? For some reason, I just started calling myself the protector. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was sometime after I wrote What Are You Sporting About and or launched that podcast. Um, but I kept saying, like, I want to help protect athletes. And then at some point I said, you know what? I am the protector of athletes. I'm giving people information that is substantially rooted in law a lot of the time because that's that's where my passion lies sure. right so that's where I teach from it's from my my legal mind um and so it just naturally flowed the protector of athletes um you are better protected when you know what you're doing you know yeah, absolutely and what what's the um what's the premise of the podcast anything in particular that you, that you talk about or it started off so what are you sporting about? Started off as a book, um, almost kind of a message to professional retired athletes um, to help them understand that they were once a dreamer who was in control of where they wanted their future to go. And it helps them kind of determine how they got off track. We introduced the issue around trauma. We do we introduce the issue of, you know, the entourage effect um, and how that's hurting them and taking a, a clear and hard stance to communicate with the people that they love around the decision making of their pockets. Right. Why is this a good or not good situation? And right. How does it impact all of us in the long run? And so um, essentially what I want that book to do is help them to recognize what were they sporting about in the beginning when they were just a kid and it was a right. dream to play. Yeah. You know, what was the end goal of that? Because it doesn't make sense for you to get to the end of this finish line um, at the time your sport ends for you to be completely torn and tattered um, and your dream has gone down with it. No, I, that yeah. it sounds like a great show. And I, I love podcasts, so I definitely want to add that to my list of just, uh, you know, when I'm out walking and running, I always I'm always looking for good content. And it, it's amazing, too, because I when I listen to some of these shows, like, oh, that, that person would be great for my show. <laughs> you know, because just say, and in fact, I might even, I'm not sure if you did a show on Thrive on Sports. I might have heard that too, but. On which one? Thrive on Sports with Taj. Did, were you on? Oh, I, hold on. Wait. I did do, um, gosh, I totally forgot. Yes. <laughs> I did do an up with Taj. Okay. Yeah. I, and I thought so. Uh, Taj is a mutual, <laughs> mutual friend of ours, and I, he's got a great podcast as well. And yes. he was, he was one of our guests on our show too. So, uh, well, uh, thank you again. It was great. Um, we're going to put all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, you can find Alumni Direct at alumnidirect.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those. And, you know, follow us and, and follow the show, too, because I think this is something that we really want to make an impact in helping athletes. So thank you so much and uh, have a wonderful evening. You too, Robin. Thank